0: From the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxey, and this is ReSound.
1: It is
2: communication that keeps a society together, so constant is the flow of information and so complex the web of communication that keeps them apart
1: and holds them together.
0: ReSound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sounds, sound bites, and little tidbits of conversation we find all over the world. We listen to whatever we can get our ears on, then bring you the best of what we hear each week.
2: If you speak Chinese to me, I must know Chinese to understand your words. But even without knowing the Chinese language, I can understand much of your feelings through other codes we have in common.
0: Talking is easy communication is difficult. So many things can get in the way of understanding one another. Language, distance, conflict avoidance. True, free-flowing communication is a lot of work, and thereby a lot of us simply avoid it, which doesn't always make for such healthy relationships. So it's no wonder that the audio landscape is chock-full of stories that explore these challenges. Today, we have carefully selected five great stories of people trying their best, and sometimes failing miserably, to simply make a connection. Stay with us. My dad is from Hungary, and his native tongue is a language I do not understand. It doesn't really get in our way since he's a fluent English speaker, but I certainly wish we could have our saucy, gossipy conversations in Hungarian instead of English, because then no one else would understand what we say. But I never learned it, which meant that communicating with my grandmother was nothing more than awkward one-word exchanges and strange pantomimes. Immigrant children are not really part of the old world, and yet the old world is in our home every day. Here's Yo-Wei Sha. I have a problem.
3: As much as I want to, I can't communicate with my grandpa, ye yeah. He only speaks Mandarin Chinese, and I pretty much only speak English. So our conversations start simple and stay simple. I'll let my sister Yolan, who's in the same boat, demonstrate. Ni hao, Ye-Ye, which means, hello, grandpa. And then I go, ni jin tian which means, how are you doing today? He says, "Hin ha," like in this childish way, like, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> it's like a kid talking to him. So that means very good. And then I say, Oh ah," that means, are you hungry? <laughs> is, is that it? Anything else? Um, let's see. No, that's it. And that's repeated every time you see him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In the late 70s, my parents moved from Taiwan to the U.S., which is where I was born and grew up. Like any good second-generation immigrant daughter, I went to Chinese school and took classes in high school and college. But none of it worked. Even though my parents mainly spoke Chinese at home, I would almost always respond in English. Which is why, at age 27, I still have the Chinese vocabulary of a three-year-old. So my grandpa Ye Ye and I stick to a basic script. In a lot of ways, we're strangers. Uh, um. I'm not sure why it's taken me so long to realize all this, but I feel like a jerk. Growing up, Ye Ye was the best grandpa. He'd he drive me to tennis lessons, teach me how to make dumplings, and cheer me on at piano recitals. That couldn't have been very good. What are you doing? He was the kind of grandpa who offered to take me to McDonald's after school, even if he'd just eaten himself. Considering our history, it's pretty ridiculous we've never had a real conversation. When I recently became aware of the situation, I decided I wanted to get past our language barrier. Yaya is 96. I wanted to try and get to know him before it was too late. So, um, can you introduce yourself and say your name? I wish I could tell you I discovered a new app that helped me magically learn Chinese in time for this interview. But no. I took an old-fashioned shortcut.
1: I'm Chris Shaw. I'm a loyal husband and nice dad.
3: I got my dad to translate for his dad. I guess what I'm trying to get at is I am jealous of my friends who are able to communicate no problem with their grandparents because they get to ask them lots of questions and they can communicate sophisticated things like they can talk about their work, their school, their love life, and also ask for advice. And, you know, I don't really get to do that with with you
1: because of my age, and uh, so uh, I cannot uh, hear that well. Uh, And also, when I heard a question, I have to process it in my brain. Uh, That process is, is also very slow.
3: We never got to my questions about how we met my grandma or what his biggest hopes and regrets are, because we kept going around like this in circles. With each question I asked, Yaya kept responding with some version of, I'm too old.
1: Yeah, I think we should probably wrap up pretty soon, yeah. Okay.
3: Later, I debriefed with my dad. I don't know, it just made me really sad. You know, I was looking forward to it, and it seems like it's too late. And I think not being able to speak the same language has also kind of masked how much Yaya has aged to me. I feel guilty about not... Having tried harder or, and, you know, not putting time and effort right now to trying to learn Chinese.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, oh, you don't, no, you don't have to feel guilty about that.
3: But I do feel guilty. And it made me wonder if other people out there had the same problem as me. I posted the question on Facebook. And judging by the responses I got it seems like there's kind of an epidemic among children of immigrants from all over the world.
2: A typical conversation doesn't last very long.
3: It's a lot of staring, looking at each other, smiling, nodding. Have you eaten dinner yet?
4: She would say, are you hungry? Like, do you have to poop? (laughs) Like, literally, because, you know, you get diarrhea every time you go to a country like India.
3: I would try to ask her what she did that day, but I think she couldn't understand my accent.
4: Yes, we never really could have a, a full conversation. It didn't even occur to me that that was weird.
3: Talking to other children of immigrants, what struck me most was just how bewildered everyone was. Why was this happening? Why do we put up with it? Well, I think
0: we don't have to put up with it.
3: I talked to this educational linguist, Nelson Flores, and what he said kind of blew my mind because it explained everything.
0: I think what happens sometimes is that children of immigrants have extra expectations on what their proficiencies in the home language should be. So they don't even try to make the effort because they have this kind of extra embarrassment that goes along with it.
3: In other words... A self-reinforcing vicious cycle.
0: But I always tell people that I talk to that are in similar situations that if you understand the language, then the language is already there inside of you. And it's just a matter of releasing it and letting it out.
3: Like the power is within you.
0: <laughs> exactly. The power is within you if you believe.
3: The power may be within me, but time just isn't on my side. Even though I was bummed about my conversation with Yeah, Ye, I remembered... I still had a chance to talk to my grandma Waipua, my mom's mom. She lives in Taiwan and I don't get to see her much, which is why I sometimes forget about her. Luckily, my mom was in Taiwan recently, so I tried the parent as translator trick again hey, hey. while talking to Waipua on Skype. To... Mommy, mommy, you have to translate everything she said. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I asked Waipua if she thought we had a communication problem. And the amazing thing was that she thought we had lame conversations, too. I would ask,
5: how are you doing? And, you know, recently, uh, are you eating well? You know, things like that. I haven't really uh, go into uh, any serious conversation with you guys. I really feel very uh, disappointed.
3: Ah. Well, oh, we feel the same way, then. <laughs> Here's kind of a big question. Do you feel like we really know each other? Like, Do you think we really understand who each other is as a person?
5: I only know you from the outside, uh, appearance. As far as the deeper things that I can't understand, not really understand me from the inside.
3: My grandma and I clearly agreed about the issue. So now we just had to fix things by talking. But how do you get to know a stranger in just one conversation? And then it hit me. This was like a first date for Waipu and me. So I turned to the one place I had experience with, for getting to know you date night questions. What are six things you could never do without? OK, Cupid, of
5: course. I like to uh, spend time chatting uh, with my friends over the phone or even visit them. And the second thing will be. OK, watch
3: TV. The third one will be uh, having sweets. She could only come up with three. So we moved on to the next question. What do you think you are really good at? I feel that I'm very good at uh, uh, crafts
5: and I can do the Chinese knots.
3: Traditional decorations you hang on the wall. (gasps) Oh, oh, I'm looking at it right now in my living room. I had no idea that Waipo made that. Oh, can you tell her that I love it very much and I get lots of compliments? I actually had no idea she made it. Then I asked Waipo if she wanted to know anything about me. <laughs> she want
5: to ask you, I mean, I want to ask you a very important question. Do you have a boyfriend and uh, they, uh, are you guys serious? I...
3: Yes, I have a boyfriend. We have been dating for about a year. Do you want to know more about him?
5: When you're dating with this boyfriend, you need to be, you know, stand firm with your grand, your principal, and you need to be loyal too. Okay.
3: <laughs> it sounds like you're giving me advice rather than asking me questions. <laughs> Is there anything else that you want to know about me? Waipo asked me what my type was, and I gave her my list of qualifications, which apparently satisfied her, because after that, she didn't have any more questions for me.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think she's concerned about this, and she now can rest in peace. (laughs) She's very happy and contented.
3: I wanted to speak the same language as my grandparents because I thought they would somehow bear their souls to me and I would get to know them deep down to their core. Instead, the conversation with my grandma ended up being pretty mundane, and I loved every minute of it. As for my grandpa, even though we failed to have a real conversation, I realized this quest wasn't only about language. It was about the grandparent-kid relationship We all grow out of it at some point. In my case, I just didn't have the language skills to start having grown-up conversations. And anyway, it's too late for that now with Ye Ye. I'll just have to find a new way to connect, without language, the way my grandpa did all those years when I was a kid. When I talked to my sisters for this story, there was one particular time when my grandpa really shined. Yaya walked into my room in the morning
0: <laughs> and
3: <laughs> caught me in bed with a guy. That's me telling the story. Like just sleeping with my boyfriend at the time. This is in high school. I just remember being really shocked and I jump up and I like go to Yeah. yeah and I can't say anything because I don't know how to, like, say... I don't know how to make an excuse or lie in Chinese. <laughs> Which I later do to Daddy. But, like, I don't know how to lie to you because I don't have good enough Chinese. And he just sort of looks at me and he gives me a hug and says, I love you.
0: Oh! Oh, my God! <laughs> that was it. Oh that was it. See, this is oh. why. This is why
3: maybe we don't, don't need the language. I really hope my sister Yolande is right. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> Incommunicado was produced by Yowe Shaw for the podcast The World in Words from Public Radio International. Audio producers tend to be pretty loquacious, but they're not necessarily polyglots, which means they talk a lot, but only in one language. That was producer John Bewin's problem when he met Eva Joniak. They liked each other. They dated. And when the inevitable meet-the-parents trip rolled around, John found himself on a plane to Poland trying to make his mouth move in unfamiliar ways. Here is Meet the Joniaks.
2: First of all, no, I'm not that guy. The American uninterested in other tongues are too arrogant to learn them. Back in my 20s, I lived in Japan for two years, studied the language obsessively, and got pretty fluent. I've made smaller attempts at Spanish and German. But see, Eva has lived half her life in the U.S.
5: You know, if it was if the chi sound was followed by a consonant, it would have been a c with an accent, but it's ci because it's followed by a u, which which happens to be a vowel.
2: We communicate just fine, it's and well, nothing against Polish, but it was never on my top ten list of languages to acquire. Eva agreed. There was no need to study a difficult language that I wouldn't be using much. Czest, czest. Prussia. Before leaving for Poland, I did Prussia. practice the bare essentials. Hello, please, yeah. thank you, excuse me, and nie mówię po polsku. I don't speak Polish. Beyond that, the plan was to rely on Eva to translate when she felt like it, but mostly to sit back, smile and listen to Polish as Mm -hmm. if it were abstract music. (inaudible) I got over the notion a long time ago that there are beautiful and ugly languages. As a young man, I fell in love with Japanese and its staccato edges. The feel, the taste of those little explosions in the mouth. My impression of Polish before going to Poland? Just impossible. One of those Slavic languages with all the consonants mashed together, words sprinkled dizzyingly with Zs and not enough vowels. Eva's parents, Zdzisław and Barbara Jawniak, live in a small town in southern Poland not too far from Krakow. They speak very little English but Evan warned me I'd fall for them, and I did. They're one of those couples married more than 50 years and still holding hands, still visibly happy in one another's company. (laughs) (laughs) They lived and sometimes suffered through Poland's rough 20th century. They have their stories of World War II and the decades under communist rule, but they made a decent life for themselves. Pursuing photography and music and hiking, and making trips on a shoestring with young avid to places like Greece and Turkey, sleeping in a tent. The intelligence and sense of humor are easy to read on their faces, no translation needed. The Avniaks welcomed me warmly, and called me Yashik, a Polish diminutive for Jan or John. Barbata played some piano for us, and I got ample time to hear the music of their language. So who should I listen to to hear the best Polish around here?
5: My mother. Why? She enunciates properly, unlike my papa and moi. I take after daddy. We don't open our mouths when we talk. And she does, and she rounds all the vowels properly. So
2: I listened. But my plan to not try picking up Polish soon gave way. In spite of yourself, you hear the occasional word you understand. The odd Latin cognate. Absolutnie. You hear a Polish word a half-dozen times and can't help asking what it is. Ale? But. Potem? Then, or later. Soon, instead of letting the river of language flow past in peace, you find you're scanning intently for each discernible minnow. Blah, 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 today, blah, 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 coffee, blah, 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 beautiful, blah, blah, blah. So that L sounds like a... W. Wh. W. What's up with that? Out and about with Eva, I scrutinized printed words compulsively, trying to get a grip on Polish phonetics. Why? Just so I could pronounce these godforsaken words with their mysterious meanings silently and correctly in my head. When does Z sound like what? I mean, it's sometimes it's got a like dot okay, over it. And when it has
5: a dot on top it turns into a zh sound. As in the hyżne, which you just saw on the sign. And when it has a little accent, a little dashy thingy, then it turns into zh.
2: This isn't news that the human brain is built to consume language, or to try. Like a witching stick bending towards water, the mind reaches for meaning. It wants in on the conversation. Still, I did manage a moment or two in that other neutral gear. My last night in Poland, Eva's family and I were visiting one of Eva's dearest friends, Dorota. They all had catching up to do, stories to tell, and the dinner conversation rolled on in Polish without me. Downing my borscht and stuffed cabbage and wine, I understood virtually nothing and managed for a while to give up trying
4: i usiadła i to nie był dowcip ali na tak siedzi o tutaj jak ja lubię takie proste wiejskie życie
2: ona mieszka w blondynie
6: weź ty
2: i listened for the rhythms the pacing and the pauses swoops and crescendos the
6: harmonies.
5: <laughs>
2: <laughs> By the time I flew back to the States, I decided I will try to learn some Polish, so I can banter a bit with Eva in her first language, and for that next trip to Poland. Maybe one day I'll do simple chatter with the Javniaks without a translator, and learn to distinguish between the two sh sounds in Polish, one supposedly softer than the other or something. Kosh. Nikos. Kosh. What the hell's the difference? <laughs> Having said all this, though, about the irresistible power of words, They're not everything. When I was out of the room, Eva and her mother, Barbada, were talking about the visit with me, the new boyfriend. Eva's mom said, well, sure, there is the language barrier, but it doesn't matter. The eye contact is good.
3: Koshchushka.
0: Meet the Johnny X was produced by John Bewin for Radiotonic from ABCRN. John hosts and produces the podcast Scene on Radio. That's S-C-E-N-E on Radio. After his meet-the-parents adventure, he bought the Rosetta Stone program to try and learn Polish, sadly, to no avail. However, their story ended happily as John and Eva are now engaged to be married. Coming up after the break on ReSound, a news correspondent who covers war-torn countries has a harder time negotiating the land of love. Stay with us. You're listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxey. Today we've gathered together stories of difficult conversations that attempt to broach the obstacles of language or distance. And by distance, I don't necessarily mean physical proximity. The family in our next story falls into a situation that no one could foresee, one that makes real communication virtually impossible. Here's Mary Kim with a story about her grandfather.
4: When I was 12, as he was chewing into some roasted mackerel, suddenly his eyes began to well with tears. He said, my sister, this was her favorite kind of fish. He took a bite of mackerel, and he said, Po'ok. She disappeared when I was 14. I, w- I was stunned. Here was a ghost in our family. After he told me about her at dinner, he would include her during his very solemn and long Thanksgiving prayers. The sister that he, that he so loved it wasn't until much later that I realized that the reason why he'd never told us about her before was that she was North Korean. Many decades ago, when Korea was still unified as one country, my grandfather couldn't afford to send both his eldest children to school and so chose his eldest born son. That meant that Book was sent to teacher education program in a remote country village. And she was not satisfied with that at all because she was number one in her class. Instead, she chose to go north where education opportunities were freer at the time for women. And then the Korean War happened. My father never saw her again. Then in 2005, the Red Cross offered my father, Chin-kil, the chance to see his sister, bo for the first time in more than 55 years. Not in person, but via webcam, they would set up a video chat like Skype with North Korea on one side and South on the other. My father took his family members to a cramped hotel room in Seoul in South Korea. In the room was a video camera and a large screen. The family sat down and waited, making nervous conversation. He pulled out his letter. He spent months writing, organizing, and preparing his six-page letter that recounted everything he ever wanted to say. I had no idea how she might appear. I expected to see a living skeleton because of North Korea's tendency to starve its own people. The screen flickers and the connection establishes in bo Oak's face and that of our northern relatives.
1: We see them. Sister, this is Jingil. Jingil?
6: Is that really you? Yes. Good to see you.
4: It's been so long. Surprisingly, her cheeks were full. I noticed that she seemed to have a little bit of makeup on and had a lovely traditional garment on with silver beading, which must have
7: been expensive,
4: unusual.
1: In
7: preparation to see you, I wrote your letter. I will read it first.
4: Nuna, and then he launches into one of his oldest memories of her.
7: I don't know if you remember, but one winter night we had a fight. So Dad punished you by making you stand outside in the freezing cold. I felt sorry for you. So I tried to go outside. But mom and dad wouldn't let me. So I told them I had to pee. I remember how we were freezing together in the cold. I felt sorry about that. After you went to North Korea, I didn't realize that when we lived together, I never told you that I love you. That broke my heart.
4: He could barely speak. My father is not an emotional man. Until I was 18, he never told me that he loved me. On the southern side, of course, our, our shoulders were shaking. On the northern side, she was kind of, she was amused. It was a kind of, kind of um, slightly mocking, as if, "hmm, look at what's become of you. That soft that soft southern living. A traditional Korean man would never have said that. My dad noticed that, but kept on reading
1: uh, But even
7: now, when I see high school students, with the ponytails in her hair, I am reminded of you. I find myself looking at those kids as if they were you. My memories are frozen at the time. We last say goodbye. When he spoke about
4: searching for that ponytailed girl, I understood my father in a way I hadn't before what it must have been like for him to have four daughters and why he so insisted that we all get the best
1: education
4: we could. He wanted to give me what his own family never gave her.
7: About 20 years after your left, I went to the U.S. I took a mom and dad with me and take care of them. But they keep on wanting me go back to Korea. Deep down inside, they must have thought you would escape North Korea and return home one day. Mom cry every
1: night. He reveals
4: to her that he has four daughters, and only daughter. She jokes, rich in daughters, and everyone laughs.
6: Yeah.
2: laughs.
4: And then she reveals that she herself has three daughters and two sons.
6: But you need sons, not daughters. You need sons to protect the country. And reunite Korea.
4: Soon, my father's grand filibuster ended. Finally, his sister Book was given a chance to speak.
6: Well, younger brother, let me tell you about my life. I remember we were so dirt
4: poor. She spends the next only 15 minutes to my father's hour and 15 minutes to recount what has occurred in the past 55 years for her.
6: Then the Korean War broke out. The American bastards came to Korea and killed our soldiers in the streets. So I became a volunteer soldier and took care of injuries. She started
4: speaking about how the American bombs fell and took her leg.
6: I was so upset about that. Remember, I used to be the fastest runner in school. But then our great leader said, Don't cry. The American bastards are the problem, not your leg.
4: Then she married a man, and then more bombs fell from the American side, and then he lost both his legs.
6: But I made a family to him and gave birth five children. You wouldn't be able to imagine what it's like for cripples to raise a family. One time I woke up to find my first son with a severe virus, almost about to die. But my husband and I couldn't run him to the hospital. So our neighbor carried our son on his back like a horse. And ran him to the hospital during the middle of the night. When our great leaders heard of our sick son, they ran over to the hospital and told the doctors, You need to help him survive. You need to help him. Once our nation is unified, he needs to take his parents back to their hometown. I was so moved. Such a good life in this socialist community wouldn't exist in a capitalist nation. I couldn't tell
4: if she was believing her own words. I looked to her eldest son, and unlike his mother's plump cheeks, his cheeks were cliff-like hollows.
6: I'm only alive today because our great leader's love and support. Leaders love. I got everything in life
4: I ever wanted. The amount of swabbing and sweating that her eldest son was doing seemed to contradict her words.
6: We don't have many years left now. All I want is to see our country unified.
7: Yes, I believe that they will be here soon.
6: Yes, I do too. But we need to kick out the American bastards. We need to kick. He held his tongue,
7: Mm. and he listened to her.
6: Finally, meet and live
4: happily together. Yeah. She pauses for a moment, and my father clears his throat. And suggests let's let's sing a song together. Yes, what should we sing?
7: Do you know we are one?
4: It's one of the many anthems blending both the national anthems of both Koreas. Both North Korean and South Korean family members sang together in unison. My father still full of tears took up the words Our hope is for one country We pray even in dreams The song began to come to its end They were given a signal that the meeting was about to end While they were singing, the screen darkened. My aunt's face disappears. It's been 10 years since that reunion. Thanksgivings are smaller now. My father's prayers are quieter now. His prayers are shorter. He prays for our family, but he never mentions her, no. I mention her. I ask him about whether or not she's still alive. He doesn't say. He lets a pause hang between us. He's very mm, resigned that he will never see her again, that she is, that she is dead. It's me who hopes that who still harbors hope that she's alive? Book
0: Jin Kill and Bo Across the DMZ was produced by poet and professor Mary Kim and produced by Davy Kim for Snap Judgment. The actors in this story were Davy's parents. He told us that this was the first time he had ever heard his parents speak English in front of him, as they usually speak in Korean. He also mentioned that the story reverberated with his family because his own grandmother was separated from her brothers in the Korean War. You've been listening to ReSound from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxey. The program is produced by Dennis Funk and curated by Johanna Zorn and Sarah Geis of the Third Coast Festival. Isabel Vasquez is our production assistant. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear more than 2,000 outstanding documentaries from around the world. And subscribe to our podcast. Support for Resound comes from Emma, a web-based email marketing and communication service helping businesses and nonprofits manage their email campaigns and online surveys in style. More at myEmma.com. The Third Coast International Audio Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Drehouse Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Agudino Foundation, the Menaki Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Arts. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival, now an independent arts organization, was originally founded at WBEZ Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. You can also connect with us through Facebook and Twitter. Resound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.